0: Opened here to Ezekiel chapter 17. Ezekiel 17, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, put forth a riddle, and speak a parable unto the house of Israel, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, a great eagle with great wings, long-winged, full of feathers, which had diverse colors, came unto Lebanon, and took the highest branch of the cedar. He cropped off the top of his young twigs and carried it into a land of traffic. He set it in a city of merchants. He took also of the seed of the land and planted it in a fruitful field. He placed it by great waters and set it as a willow tree. And it grew and became a spreading vine of low stature whose branches turned toward him and the roots thereof were under him. So it became a vine and brought forth branches and shot forth sprigs. There was also another great eagle with great wings and many feathers, and behold, this vine did bend her roots toward him, and shot forth her branches toward him, that he might water it by the furrows of her plantation. It was planted in a good soil by great waters, that it might bring forth branches, and that it might bear fruit, that it might be a goodly vine. Say thou, thus saith the Lord God, shall it prosper? Shall he not pull up the roots thereof, and cut off the fruit thereof, that it wither? It shall wither in all the leaves of her spring, even without great power or many people to pluck it up by the roots thereof yea behold, being planted shall it prosper, shall it not utterly wither when the east wind toucheth it it shall wither in the furrows where it grew. Open to second Peter Second Peter chapter 1. I don't know that we'll go back there to Ezekiel, we may. I lost my place, so I want to find it there. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, I'll be honest, I'm not totally sure what Ezekiel chapter 17 totally means. Maybe we can all look at that this next week, but there's enough here in this chapter here that I'm going to just, I'm just going to go here with this chapter and work through these verses. There's a lot here we could keep going on through the rest of the chapter, but let's just start here at verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I like how he qualifies that there it's not given to those who are outside of the the faith it's, this isn't this isn't addressed to them we couldn't ask anybody that is that, that is not uh, that does not have salvation we cannot ask anybody that's not part of the kingdom of God we can't ask anybody who is um, outside of his grace to do the things that are outlined here in this particular chapter, and even as we think about the Sermon on the Mount, you know, a lot of times I think there's a misunderstanding that 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 should be the application for each and everybody. Like everybody ought to try to be blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those, but really that list there, it's to those who are. In, the, in, in part of the kingdom of God. That's the new law, the new commandments. And those that are outside of this like precious faith can try all day long to fulfill it, only to meet with constant failure, constant frustration, constant um, disappointment, because they're not able to actually fulfill the law of righteousness that God writes upon the heart through faith. And so there's a real danger in trying to accomplish these things without the help of God. And there's just so many people today who know what the Bible says, and I've said it many times here, there's just so many people today who know what the Bible says, and they set about, as we read there in Romans, um, they set about to establish their own righteousness, being, I'm going to just paraphrase this, being ignorant of the righteousness that comes by faith through Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, maybe adding a few other verses in there. So, Peter's kind of setting the stage here. This is to those that have obtained like precious faith. And that like precious faith is those now that have received a pure heart. And as I was sharing even on Friday night with some of you brothers, it's, it, is that, it is that heart... That, I don't remember just now how I shared it then. I think I used, I used an example to you brothers that maybe I won't use that example right now. But it's that faith that actually has the power to fulfill God's will. It's that faith that actually has the power to be like Christ here upon the earth. And so, as we get, go through this here, we're going to look at a number of different things. And each of us can walk out of this room, and we can try to do this. We can form a checklist from this chapter here of things that we need to set in order here this next week, things that we can set out to try to do, things that we can set out and try to accomplish. But unless we are of this like-precious faith, and so what is this like-precious faith that is through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ? The example I gave, I won't give that one, but I'll give another one. And I've, I've maybe given it before. But you have someone, maybe a young dad, that is struggling with patience. And he knows that he's supposed to be patient. He knows that he's supposed to be gentle. You have a young mom that knows she's supposed to be patient. She knows she's supposed to be gentle. She knows that she's not supposed to be snappy. He knows he's not supposed to be snappy. Towards his wife, towards his children. And he really tries hard to be patient. He really tries hard to be gentle. He really tries hard to be what he knows the Bible tells him to be. There's a standard there that he wants to fulfill. And there's there's we're gonna take two different dads. And we're gonna just look at one week of period of time. And during that week, the one dad, they're both patient. They're both patient that week. They're both able for one week to be patient. They're for one week able to be gentle. They've got it in them enough. But the difference is, is that the one dad, he has notes all over the house for himself. He's he's got he's got posted all over the house. He's got sticky notes everywhere. He goes into the bathroom, he's got five sticky notes on the mirror. He walks into his headbed, the, the bedstand, and he sees five notes there on the bedstand. He goes to his car, he's got one on the dashboard, he's got one on the steering wheel, he's got one down there at the at the shift. And he's got all these notes here saying, remember to be patient this week. Remember this week to be gentle. And so he's trying really hard. He's keeping it in front of his eyes. He's he's working towards that. The other dad doesn't have any of that. Both of them for that week are able to be patient. Both of them for that week are able to be gentle. But the week is over. And the one dad who has the sticky notes everywhere is literally falling apart. As the sticky notes start falling off the the mirrors, they start falling off the headboards, they start falling off the driving, the steering wheel, they start falling off the head, the dashboard, the resolve is out the window and they're not patient. They're failing in their patience. They're calling up the brother and they're saying, brother, pray for me because I'm lacking patience with my child again. Brother, pray for me because I'm not being gentle. Brother, pray for me because I'm falling apart here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, but I'm just I'm finding myself falling right back into this, this mess again. And the other dad, second week goes on, and he's still patient, and he's still gentle. What we're talking about is this like precious faith that actually is able to come in, and the dad who's trying so hard is still under the law. And I've said it so many times and, I, and I'm, and I'm going to continue to keep saying it because I feel it so passionately and so strongly that God is seeking after the converted heart. And the heart that is trying so hard and failing is evidence they have not entered into this like precious faith. The, brother that, the other brother that's succeeding is he's simply being patient, not because he's trying so hard. He's being gentle, not because he's trying so hard not because he's got sticky notes all over the place trying to remind him so often. He's being patient and he's being gentle because God has given him a patient and a gentle heart. God has come and changed his heart. God has come and given him a gentle heart. It's not him trying so hard to have a gentle heart. And the difference between those two is the difference between this like-precious faith and the faith of the Pharisees. That's the difference. It's that different. We're talking about a like-precious faith with those whose hearts have been transformed and changed, and now they are patient, they are gentle, they are kind, they are loving, they overcome lust, they overcome sin, they overcome the temptations that Satan brings to them, not because they're trying so hard— but because God has given them a new heart. They don't want to lust anymore. They hate lust. It's disgusting to them. They don't want to do it. They love where they once hated. Not because they're trying to love so hard, but because God has given them a new heart. That's the difference what we're talking about here. This is not given to those Pharisaic faith, that Pharisee faith that tries so hard and even goes beyond the effort of what, those who walk in the Spirit sometimes do. It seems like for those of us who are walking in the Spirit, we should be excelling beyond, like we should be the most motivated. But here you have a a group a Pharisee faith that can take this exact same list that we're going to get into, give it 100 times more effort, and still fail. That's not who we're talking to here. Peter is addressing this to those who have obtained like, precious faith with us, Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. For those of us who have the righteousness of God through faith. We could go there to Romans and I would encourage us all, we don't have time to do it right now. But read there in Romans, just read through Romans. It lines it out so beautifully well, this faith that comes through the righteousness of God in our Savior, Jesus Christ. But it says here, to those of you who are now have this, this new heart in you, you've been transformed, you've been converted, you're part of the kingdom of God. For those of you who are repenting and, and, and are new converts, I believe that this, this, is, this is something you need to pay attention to. This is something that, that needs to get our attention. This is something that we need to say, Lord, this is what I want, this is what I need to have. Pay attention to this. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? How does grace and peace? We have a young man, Zeb, you're looking for peace. We have a few here that are looking for peace. They, they don't have peace yet. I don't think you have peace yet. I hope you do, but if you don't. But, but here's the answer. Sometimes I get ahead of myself, sorry. Here's the answer. If we want grace and peace given to us, it's multiplied. It can be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If you want grace and peace multiplied to you, get the knowledge of God and get the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. Go and get into his presence. Press into his presence. And when you come before God and you say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know Jesus Christ. I, I have to know you. I have to communion with you. I want to be like Abram. Abraham. Abraham, who, who spoke with God as a man, speaks to his friend. And you come before him and say, Lord, I can't stop until I have the knowledge of you. And then you feel nothing, and you're not allowed in, and you can't get into the presence of God? What should be clicking there at that point is, is not that God is not near, it's that your sin has separated you between you and your God. And you will not get into the presence of God and know his knowledge and know his holiness and know his greatness or the knowledge of Jesus Christ until that sin is thoroughly and completely repented of and put out of your life. Then God will let you come in. God will begin to show himself to you. And as God begins to show himself to you, and as God begins to reveal himself to you, and as you begin to gain the knowledge of God, you will find grace and peace. Multiplied. If you want grace and peace, get the knowledge of God. And if you can't get the knowledge of God, you need to be repenting of your sins. That is what stands between that. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, how, by what way, through the knowledge of him, that has called us to glory and virtue. If you need help, if you need strength, if you need assistance, if you don't have the answers, if you don't have what it takes, if you're trying and you're failing and you're not complete, if you're wondering what's wrong with me, I need something here. He's willing to give us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, how? The same way that we receive grace and peace, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And I say it again, if you can't get into his presence, repent. Repent. And repentance isn't just simply feeling sorry for your sins, it's saying I'm never going to do it again. I'm going to put this thing away from me, and I'm never touching it again. That old man is dead. You're not going to get in the presence of God. You're not going to trick him. You're not going to fool him. You can say, I'm sorry, Lord, and have every intention of going back and doing it again, and don't believe for one second that God doesn't know that. God knows instantly what your heart is. He knows if you're truly sorry or not. We know that. We know that among us. But sometimes I think we get ourselves in some darkness the devil gets in a little bit and tricks us into thinking that, that well, I feel sorry right now. And so God, God knows we're not going to fool him. We're not going to fool him. When we repent of our sins and we forsake it, then we come into the presence of God. We begin to know him, and he gives us everything we need. He truly gives us everything we need. And so if we are lacking in grace, if we are lacking in peace, if we're lacking in all those things that pertain into life and godliness, the answer is we need to know him. We need to press into the presence of God. We need to press, and I'm afraid, and I'm just going to say it. I can see it in the eyes. I can hear it in the expressions. I know it. When, when a man has, has stepped into the presence of God and he has spent time In the presence of the holiness of God, and he has been prostrate before him, he knows those that haven't. And some of us have not here. We have not been in the presence of God. We haven't. And we might as well just say it. And we cannot expect to have the grace and the peace of God. We cannot expect to have all things that pertain unto life and all that's given to us so that we might have godliness. Unless we get into the presence of God. This isn't given to those that have the faith of a Pharisee. It's given to those whose hearts have been changed. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Isn't that beautiful? I, I love to think about that, that unto us is given not just great promises, but exceeding great and precious promises. Do you know what those promises are? How many of you could enumerate the promises of God today? Have you done a study on that? We don't have time. I, truth be told, I don't know how many of them I could tell you right now off the top of my head. I don't want to portray myself as... But I want to encourage you, if you want a homework assignment, for those who have like precious faith... I want you to look at the promises that are given. There are promises all throughout this word that truly, if you want encouragement, if you want strength, if you want power, go look at those promises and realize that God cannot lie. What God has promised to do, he will do. And I think that can tremendously encourage us. I think that can tremendously uplift those of us who are walking in the faith when we realize that God has said, thus saith the Lord, and that is what will be done. That, that, that gives us a great joy when we study. I would encourage you to look at that. Because it's by these, it's by these promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature. We can actually be like Christ. It's actually possible. Do we believe that? Do we believe that it's possible for us to be like Jesus Christ And overcome sin, overcome this world. Do we really truly have that confidence that as he is, so are we in this world? Able to truly be like Jesus Christ, that by these he might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If we're still living in the world, if we're still partaking of the world, if we're still dabbling in the world, if there's still little snippets of it that we just kind of like every once in a while, there's just something there that grabs our attention. It's, it's just something there that kind of feeds that curiosity in us. There's something there that just grabs our attention, and it can be, it can be a multitude of things. We're going to miss out. We're not partakers of the divine nature. There was none of that in Jesus Christ. He was pure. He was clean. He was holy. And he walked in that way that truly pleased the Father. And that is the nature that is given unto us, it's imparted unto us, not because of we just got so good. We knew the list and we could fulfill it. That nature was imparted unto us by faith. And through the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith. And through that vessel being cleansed and that new man being born again, that divine nature is imparted unto us. As we pass through the baptismal waters, and when that old man is dead and buried in those baptismal waters, that when we rise up as a new creature, that divine nature is given unto us. We ought to be different than what the rest of the world and what the rest of professing Christianity has to offer. We ought to truly be different. Okay, so, there's, I want to keep moving on here. And beside this, giving all diligence now, okay, giving all diligence. Don't get distracted. We're not in a day and a time where we can afford to be distracted with everything else that's going on in the world. I struggle to know where the balance is. I, I, my tendency is I would far rather focus on Christ. I would far rather focus on his kingdom. I would far rather focus on the word of God. And I would let the world just go the way that they're going. And I would hope that by keeping my eyes upon him, and seeing him, I would hope that like Moses, my face would radiate. And when men are in my presence, they would say, did not our hearts burn within us? And I don't know that I can do that if I get so distracted with everything else that's going on all around. Maybe you brothers can. I'm just confessing. I don't know that I can. I get down. I get discouraged. if I start. It's not that I don't care. I, I, I think that for me... I believe that I will make a greater impact on the world around me if I can just keep my eyes on Christ. I start feeling like Peter out there in the waves if I start looking around. And if I start looking at everything that's going around in the sea and the waves roaring around me, I start to sink. But if I can keep my eyes on the Lord, it seems like he keeps me up above the water and we're able to be that witness that we're called to be. I'm not saying that we should take a I-don't-care attitude. I'm, I'm not... I know that maybe some of you brothers feel a little different and have a little different burden on that. And, I, and I'm trying to sort that through in my mind, just honestly. But I, I, nevertheless, don't get distracted. It's not time for us to be falling asleep. It's not time for us to be getting sidetracked off on, as Eric says, the, the glittery little, you know, escaping me, the fishing lures. It's not time for that. It's time to really, it says here, give all diligence. So let's do that. Let's give all diligence here. For those of us who are in like precious faith, Christ has changed our heart. Grace and peace has been multiplied to us. We know God. We know Jesus Christ. Now, here, let's do something else. Let's give all diligence. Add to your faith, this faith that has worked righteousness in us. Let's add to your faith virtue. Virtue, moral excellence. Moral excellence. Let's take the higher ground Sometimes we get content with where we are. We start looking around at one another and we say, well, I'm doing pretty good compared to everybody else around here. But is there not always something more excellent to pursue? This virtue, this moral excellence. Not being content with just, meh, it's average. I'm doing okay. I'm above most, below a few. Moral excellence. Let's add to our faith that. Let's add to our faith moral excellence and to moral excellence, to virtue, let's add knowledge. And I want to challenge you that in that. Have you ever tried to, have you ever just taken a day or have you ever just taken an hour? Let's just start with an hour. Have you ever tried to just take an hour and really press into the presence of God? I'm not talking about just prayer. I'm talking about, I'm talking about where we come before God and in silence And in quietness, we lay prostrate before him, and he speaks to us. And we're in that quietness, and we've been in the presence of God. We've experienced his holiness, and we come out of that experience, and we're not the same anymore. Do you know what that is? I'd like to ask each of you that. Do you know what that is, to come out from the presence of God and be different? You're never the same again. You walk out of that experience and you're never, there has been something changed in you. Try it. You might find that you can't do it. And if you can't do it, if you can't get into the presence of God, if your mind can't clear, if you're thinking about whatever and you just can't clear your head, then maybe you need to repent. Maybe there's something there that's not allowing you to get into the presence of God. And I'm sorry to say it. I'm not sorry to say it. I'm sad to say it is a better way to say it. There's very few Christians who have ever been actually in the presence of God by faith. They haven't done it. It's not part of what they've ever done. They don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I hope we know what we're talking about. If not, how do we expect to gain knowledge of God if we're not in his presence? How else do we spend time in God? because I'm not speaking of only mystical things here where we just come and, and are in his presence, but do we not gain knowledge through his word? And how can we gain knowledge of God if we're not in his word? It's just not going to happen. How do we gain knowledge of God if we are not speaking with him in prayer? And so we can do a self-examination of ourselves here and we can wonder, where, where is it, what is it really like for us? Are we spending time in his word? I feel challenged by that. I feel convicted by that. To spend more time in the Word, gaining in knowledge. Be careful because knowledge puffs up. That's not what we're talking about here. But this true knowledge that comes from the Word and of Jesus Christ. It says here, and to add to knowledge, temperance, self control. You know, self-control goes to so many different areas. You know how I feel a little convicted about self-control here lately? I'll just confess it. I feel a little bit of conviction and self-control in the area of eating. Just last night, my, I've been talking to my wife. It seems like since COVID, um, I gained a little weight. And i I guess I... And talking to my wife, I says, you know, I don't need a snack at night. I really don't. At 9 o'clock, there's nothing physically about me that needs to have a snack an hour before I go to bed. But have you ever tried to just give that up? It's, it's, it's pretty tough. It's pretty hard to have self-control and deny yourself in something as simple as food. And so just last night, my resolve left me. And I asked one of my girls, I can just kind of look at them and smile sometimes and say, Ara, and she'll guess, do you want, she said, do you want mush? Yep, I wanted, I wanted to have some mush last night. And it was really good. But after I was done eating it, now a half hour before bed, I thought, why do I do that? I mean, really, it doesn't, it ne- I never would like feel wonderful after that. Like, oh, now I'm just ready to go to bed. You know, it, but, but I do, I wonder, temperance, self-control. We need young men that have self-control. We live in a day and time today where, like, instant gratification, like, it just is what we want. And these young men are not taught, and if us older men don't, like, show these young men how to do that, um, it's probably not going to happen. We live in, a, in just a please me society that when we want it, we get it. Instantly. In any form of gratification that we can think of. And what we need is we need to be men of God that actually can control our appetites, whether it's physical appetites, whether it's sexual appetites, whether it's whatever it is. We need to be men that are actually men of God that have some self-control. We, we aren't just these weak, pathetic men that... Just get what we want right when we want it. Like, that's not what life is about. And we produce selfish monsters when, when that's what we are and that's what we do. And then we pass it on to our children. And, and, and so I feel, I feel challenged in that. You, you brothers can ask me how my, um, how my snack habit at night is going. Because it's just, it's just an example. I can have self-control in that. I can deny myself. And I, I think maybe, maybe you sisters have things and you brothers have things. We need to have some self-control. We need to deny ourselves. It's, it's the words of the Lord. And then we see here, add to, add to this self-control now, add patience. And uh, I, I want that. I want to be patient. I want to be patient with, with each of you. Um, sometimes I can get frustrated when I don't think there's enough progress happening, when I, when I think that there's, you know, what's not clicking here? What's not, why, why aren't we getting this? What's the problem? And it's my tendency to start getting a little impatient at times. I'm thinking... And you don't need that from me. And I don't need that from you. Impatience doesn't help anybody. I was probably a little impatient with air this morning, driving here to and going 40 and a 55 and going off the road time. And so I gotta keep working at that. I really do. I really I I am not, my wife can tell you, I am not always as patient as what I need to be. I started it off here using that as an example. I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I want to be patient. I want you to be patient. I want you to be patient with me. I want to be patient with you. But in the same sense, if I'm not getting it, I, I also I kind of want you to kick me and get me moving and say, get this thing together because time's not slowing down for any of you and the judgment's coming and you're going to give an account before God. And if you're not right... Here, you're not going to be right there. And if you're not right there, you're not getting in. And so there's a real need to be patient, but there's a real need to be diligent here, all diligence. And so I I think we can, I think we got to keep working at that. It says, Into patience, godliness, you know, do we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Is it really something that we're hungering and thirsting after, that we want to be right, not in the sight of each other? If you only want to be right in my sight, you're going to go to hell. It's just that simple. If, if you want to be right in front of other peoples, if you just want to be right in the sight of a group of people or in the eyes of whatever, you're going to go to hell. It's not going to work. You're not going to get in. But when you hunger and thirst after righteousness and want to be right before God, and we want to be clean before God, and we want to really truly exhibit love and gentleness and peace and goodness and temperance, as we said, and meekness and long-suffering, If that's the fruit, this godliness, this fruit that comes out of us, just try to do that on your own. It's not going to happen. You have to have the Spirit of God living in you. And if you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to go to hell. It's just that simple. But if we can break and realize there's nothing I can do, there's nothing I can be, I can't be, I can't have godliness, I can't exhibit that fruit of the Spirit. It's not going to come out of my life. i got to have the Holy Spirit living in my life, and the Holy Spirit will not live in my heart if I'm unclean. If there's things there standing between God and me, I have to repent. And I have to forsake it. So it says, and to this then, isn't this an incredible list? Try to do this on your own, and you'll fail miserably. But brothers, I trust that those of us who have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, I trust that this week is going to be blessed because this is what God is going to begin to continue to keep doing in us. He's going to keep doing this in us. It says into godliness, brotherly kindness. I I I wanna be that way. I wanna be kind to you, brothers. I think Sam and I probably. Have, I feel like we're kind to each other. I don't, know that the, I don't know that everybody would always interpret it that way. But I think it's just out of, just like we've said, this, this love that we have for one another allows us to be just that genuine and real with one another. But you know, brotherly kindness goes a long ways. And the closer that we get to one another, the greater need that we have for this among ourselves. I shared with Sam just this last week, I said, you know what, I said, I'm really, I said, we are to the point where, you know, we need to just really start speaking, really plain with each other. I think we're past the point. I think we understand that. Where, what else are we going to do? Where else are we going to go? Who else do we have? I think we're committed to one another. I believe that. Don't we need to just really speak really plain and, and clear with one another? But let's do it kindly. Let's be kind as we do that. And I I can be admonished, you know. I don't think necessarily that it was a compliment. I think actually maybe I momentarily struggled a little bit with it when Sam said it the other night. He says, you know, he said, well, Dan, you know, you can, I forget how you said it, but you could could say it plain or however you said that on Friday night. And initially I maybe took that as a compliment, but now as I think about it a little bit more and my, I think, Sometimes that is what happens. You say it just plain and, and but it's not always kind. It's not always kind for myself. And I, I I I wanna be kind. I wanna be kind with you brothers. I love you brothers. I love you sisters. I I, I wanna be I wanna be kind. And so we I feel like I got work to do on that. For if now now let's think about this. Okay, then it says, um, and to brotherly kindness charity, love. You know Charity suffereth long, and it's kind. Do we know what that's like? Have we had to suffer long at all, ever? It doesn't vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It's not, it doesn't boast. It doesn't seek after its own. It's not selfish. If we really want to do an in-depth study on these, there's plenty of other chapters we could go to But we could go there to 1 Corinthians 13. We could go to 1 John. I love some of those beautiful descriptions where it talks about charity and it talks about love. And if we add this to our brotherly kindness, now think about this. For if these things be in you, so if this is what we're doing, if we're going to be diligent this week, if we're not going to get distracted with all the cares of this world, for anybody here that's trying to do it on, the, on your own, as they say, you're on your own. It's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. But for those of us who have received the, 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 the divine nature and it's been imparted unto us through his Holy Spirit, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And think of what that's really actually saying there. Go back. If we have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what does it say? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. There is going to be an overabundance of grace. There's going to be an overabundance of peace given unto you. If you have the knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you're not barren in it, if you're not unfruitful in this, then you are going to have, according as his divine power hath given to us, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You are going to have not just a, a, a getting through life, you're going to have an abundant life. And I'm not you and, you and I both know I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel in this. I'm talking about spiritual things. You're going to have the equipment that it takes to not just get by, you're going to have the equipment that it takes to, to have life and to have it abundantly, the abundant life. He that hath life, he that hath the Son hath life. And we're not talking about just a woe is me life. We're talking about a life that is fruitful, a life that is full, a life that is filled with grace and peace and the things that you need, the, the tools and the equipment that you need to be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who's loved us. These things being in you. Is this something we should give attention to? It is. But don't make it a checklist. It won't work. It's just not going to work. But this is a list we need to make. Or this, is a, this is a list of things here we really need to pay attention to. It says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged. From his old sins. This is a sad case for someone that has begun to walk in the Lord. His old sins were washed away, but now he's lacking these things and he's blind. I think that's pretty sad. I don't want that. I don't want that for me, I don't want that for you. says wherefore the rather than brethren it says here again give diligence to make your calling and election sure what does it say redeeming the time because the days are evil and knowing this knowing that it's high time Don't get bogged down with everything that's going on in the world. I, I, I can't do it. I, I I can't. If I start paying attention to everything that's going on in the world, I cannot give the proper diligence that this right here takes. The Lord said that we are to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength and if we try to do this half heartedly or distractedly or complacently it's not going to happen and I think that's why he's saying here wherefore the rather brethren give diligence get on this pay attention to this don't get sidetracked. Is the world falling apart? Yeah, it is. And if you want to make a difference on it, be like Christ. And you get your eyes off of Christ and you're not, it's not going to happen. You want to make an impact? That one's mine. <laughs> um. Can we do better in that? Can we do better in paying attention and giving diligence and making this calling and election sure? Can we really be diligent in asking the Lord, Lord, where am I at? Have you ever asked the Lord that? I'm sure we have. Have you ever sat down and said, Lord, how is it between you and I? Can you just talk to him? I'm not saying, don't don't be irreverent. We are before God. God. But can we just ask him, Lord, how is it between you and I? I'd ask you that. Sam and I, I mean, I, we, we do that. We sit down and are we all right? Are we okay? We've had to do that how many times? We can do that with God. How is it between you and I, Lord? Have I missed something? Have I gotten off? Have I gotten distracted? Have I missed something here? Am I not clear with you anymore? What, why? Where am I at with you? For if you do these things, here's, if you want a promise, here's a beautiful promise. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. shall never fall. It doesn't say maybe not. I can guarantee you those that have fallen were not doing these things. But God is revealing to us And he's calling us to repentance. While there is life, there is still that opportunity to come and to press into his presence. There is that opportunity. And I'm thankful for that. You shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that can give you joy. I hope that can give you hope. I hope that that can encourage you. There's something here, if we'll be diligent about it, if we'll ask the Lord to do this in us. There's something tremendous here. And we're only 11 verses in it, but I'm going to stop there. I trust that the Lord will bless that to our heart and that we'll have the opportunity this week to allow him to bring us more and more into his presence and into his knowledge.